Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Bowman, and today we are joined by Tom Evans, the champion British ultra runner who just finished second place at the Black Canyon 100K just a few days ago. This is the second time Tom has appeared on the show, and I have to say, it is a pretty special episode. Of course, we talk a lot about Black Canyon, but we also talk about sports psychology, discipline, and cultivating self-belief. We talk about his relationship with competition, versatility and specificity in training, race management. We look ahead towards Western states and a lot more. Tom is an absolute beast. He's also as impressive of a professional athlete as exists across sports, in my opinion. He has accomplished so much in such a short period of time. And as you'll hear, it feels like he is just getting started. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. As always, a big thank you to Speedland, the presenting sponsor of the Free Trail Podcast. As I mentioned in the last episode, the production trial is now complete. We are now in the final phase before the full manufacturing run, and we couldn't be more excited. I have to say the whole process of bringing these shoes to market has been a huge learning experience for me. It's been amazing to observe and learn from Dave and Kevin in the process of bringing a brand new product from idea to prototype to finished product. The GSTM is coming and I know we've been hyping it up for a while, but it's close and we're excited. So thanks again to those who have pre-ordered. We are very grateful for the support. For those who haven't, it's not too late. Go grab a pair of the GSTM now at runspeedland.com and use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your order. Before we get to the episode, I'd be irresponsible not to encourage you to join FREETRAIL Pro. We've got, I think, eight new training plans coming to the web site very soon. We've got a new drop of free trail merch we'll make available to the community first before it goes live to the public. We have exclusive discounts with our brand partners and of course the free trail Slack workspace. Basically the digital social network for trail runners around the world. We're working on some other great value adds for the Free Trail Pro members now, and it's only $96 for the year, and there is a free trial. So no pressure, no risk. Come check it out. See if the community is right for you. Visit freetrail.com or click the link in the show notes. As always, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the episode. Tom Evans, welcome back to the podcast, buddy. How are you? Dylan, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, huge pleasure to be back. And yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. With a few days of reflection, uh, what is the postmortem on Black Canyon? How's your body? How's your mind? Um, both surprisingly good. Um, yeah, I ended up doing a... On the Sunday, went back down to the race to cheer... Um, some of the Adidas Terex team, uh, Cordis was racing, Cordis Hall. So that was fun to cheer for him. And we then got back to Sedona where we're staying and got into Whole Foods at like half six in the evening. And I just completely hit the wall and I was just walking <laughs> around with no idea of what to buy, what to get. But yeah, that then passed. And then, yeah, I then had a long photo shoot on the Monday and yeah, time on feet was like seven and a half hours. And I was just, by the end of that, I died. But I think it sort of shot my body into sort of just recovering quicker. Yeah. You're probably um, looking so, forward to the transatlantic flight back home just to kick yeah, back and relax for a little while. Yeah, it's like 10 hours. It's 10 hours where yeah. I can't do anything, which is 
yeah 10 hours of sleep yeah. hopefully so no but yeah it's Good. It's cool to it's cool to still be out here and be able to reflect while I'm still out here. Well, I have to say, man, like I have felt so terrible in my own training for months on end now. And I came home Saturday night and went for a nice run on Sunday morning. It was a crystal clear, quintessentially beautiful California day. And for the first time in ages, I felt like super inspired. I really enjoyed my run and I owe it all to you guys who were out on the race course on Saturday. Just an unbelievable race experience. I, I suppose we should just sort of dive right into the fun stuff. I wondered if you'd start by maybe saying a few words about Anthony Costales, the only person to beat you on the race course on Saturday in the post-race interview. He made a point of saying that the only reason he signed up for Black Canyon was because he saw your name on the start list, acknowledging that you're one of the best in the world. So I wondered if you'd just start by saying a few words about Anthony and the interaction you guys shared after the race. Firstly, Anthony didn't just beat me. He destroyed me. He wiped the floor with me. And yeah, you can you can finish on the podium of some of the biggest races in the world. But when people are better than you, there's nothing you can do about it. You can you can try, but I thought I thought Anthony's race was yeah, having and actually now having done a bit of research before, I actually have raced Anthony before in the mountain running world championships in 2018 in Poland. Um, that he also wiped the floor with me. So he's uh he's two for zero at the moment. <laughs> so um but yeah, it was I think I think he just ran he just ran such a smart race. And he read the race so well. And when he had decided to put the hammer down, he knew that was the time to do it. And it was. And <laughs> with all the best intentions. And I didn't think at the time when he was doing it, like, oh, well, I'm not going to go with him because I might catch him later. It was a, I can't go with him. Yeah, I could, I'm, I'm trying, but my legs just aren't, yeah, they just wouldn't. They just wouldn't respond. And I thought it was a a, a world class performance in a what I would describe as sort of a local event. Yeah. Um, which I think is for me is the really special thing about racing in the US is you go to these what would be described to in the UK as like a tin pot race that it seems fairly unorganized at the beginning. I got to the start line maybe maybe 90 seconds before it started. <laughs> um, whereas you compare it to UTMB. You have to go and, and sit on the ground for 30 minutes before they start yeah, exactly. the 10-minute the music interlude before. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and, that, and that's absolutely fine. That's great. Yeah. But this, you get a similar level of performance for, and it's just completely different. So for me, like it's, it truly is grassroots community racing at its very best. Yeah. And you get, you get the best out of everyone because people are relaxed. And, and I think for Anthony, like, yeah, like him, him saying the reason that he signed up and the reason that when things were tough, he thought, Oh, well, I should be doing this because I want to make the point. Like, I think for me that, that his, I want my approach to rub off on other people because yeah. 
like it works. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to on paper be the most talented. You don't have to have the best training background or come from a particular sporting background, but actually you do the basics and you do your basics are world-class. Yep. And I think the, for the title of the first podcast that we did together was basics done. Well, <laughs> Tom yeah. Evans on yeah, the and that, podcast. Yeah. And, that, and for me, that's, that's it. Yeah. And I think what, An- what Anthony has shown is I don't think, and I might, I might be completely wrong, but I don't think he was doing anything particularly complex, particularly out of this world that people would look at and be like, Oh my God, that's such a sexy workout. Or that's, Oh, this gym session. You do this once you're going to win the race. It's a basics done well consistently and working incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, It makes me want to ask you, Tom, about discipline. I think those who have followed you for a long time, both, when you're healthy and through the recent injury process, one of the fundamental characteristics of your personality is robust discipline. I wondered how you cultivate and maintain that discipline, whether it's in training, rehab, junk food, alcohol consumption, those sorts of things. Does it come from the military background and what can you teach people about cultivating it? Yeah, I definitely, great great question. I definitely think it, it does come from the military background. And I think that definitely laid the foundation for it. Um, geez, I love structure. I can't, like if, I think you can compare trail runners, I think you rewind the clock 10, 15 years ago. And I think a lot of trail runners would, oh, what's for training today? Oh, I'm just going to go and run and it's going to be great. And that's, there's some people like that. Geez, I've trained with Timothy Olsen and it was very much, it was very much that case. And, and it works. Like you look at his, his performances at Western States. Geez. Like for me, that's mind blowing. And there was absolutely no way that I could function with, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to see how I feel. Maybe I'll do four hours. Maybe I'll do five hours and you end up doing six hours for me. Like, it's super, it needs to be, for me to get the best out of myself, I need to be, I need to have the structure in place. And whether that's structure to, okay, this is just your time that you're going to go relax and enjoy and not think too much about the discipline or the structure of it, it's still very structured. Mm. Um, And yeah, I think for me, like the way that I've managed to keep it and to keep it up is just by setting mini goals like i think well i'll ask you a question what do you think the percentage of ultra running is physical versus mental well i think to echo your point about the basics done well the you know obviously the mental component of it is critically important but that's sort of like why i ask you about discipline because it's not only about having discipline in ticking the boxes in your training, nailing your interval sessions, getting the long runs in, but it's also the discipline of ensuring that you have confidence and self-belief 
and that you have been doing your, you know, visualization and things like that. And so, I mean, I, for one, very much resonate with your statement about like, it's oftentimes probably more cases than not the most talented runner in the field, you know, may not win races in, in ultra running. And, you know, for my, for, for my career, I very much view myself as somebody who is not one of the most talented people in the field, but who's been able to do certain things in the sport just based on hard work and sometimes having discipline and being a competitor. But I am also terrible with things like delayed gratification and, um, you know, some of the, you know, doing some of the basics and maintaining focus on the basics year round. Yeah. So I, I spend more time speaking with my psychologist than I do having treatment from soft tissue or physio. Mm. Whereas I would say 99% of people who are doing ultras will spend way more time with a physio than they, than they would with the psychologist. Huh. Can and you say me, more about that? I'd love, I mean, I'm sure the audience would be really interested to hear your relationship with your sports psychologist, what sort of things maybe you struggle with in terms of maybe confidence, insecurity, and, and how it's helped you? I think it, for me, it really started with, it really started with my injury. And I guess this is a nice segue to come on to the injury. And yeah. it, don't get me, like physically, I found it super tough being injured, but mentally it was, it was way worse. And I had sort of spoken to sports psychologists before, but it had been a bit unstructured and I probably told them what I thought they wanted to hear rather than actually telling them what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, having read lots of sports psychology and performance psychology books uh, and tweets, I guess, uh, I thought I knew I thought I knew what they wanted to hear. So that's what I would sort of just reel off. And I guess it really took me to open up and yeah, to show my insecurities that geez, when I got injured, what well, now I've only done, I think I've run 500 K races and 200 milers. That's it. Yeah. And people say, Oh, Tom, you're one of the best in the world. Mm. I've only ever raced seven races. Like that's nothing. Like yeah. you, you look at a, you look at a footballer, how long has it taken Messi to become one of the best players in the world? I don't know. Four or 500 games. Yep. Decades. Yeah, I've raced seven times. And yes, my first race was in 2017. I was then injured in 2020 and 2021. So I raced 2017, 2018, 2019, COVID and injury, and then came back in 2022. Yep. I've only been, I've only been, I'm now 31. I've been only running for four years which really isn't a long time. And people are saying, people are putting you, oh, you're one of the favorites for this race. I'm like, I've got no experience. Yeah. Like I've, I've spent, and I guess I come from a sporting background. I come from a military background where, yes, I've got a good training age, I guess you would say, because it's and very non-specific, similar to you, that you've come at it from a, from a different background. Yeah. But one like massive, massive imposter syndrome, um, which I think I've now 
I say I've dealt with, I now believe that I, post UTMB, standing on the starting of UTMB, like you're, you're pretty starstruck and you're thinking, geez, there are 30 guys here who I could finish. I could genuinely finish 30th here. Yeah. Or I could not finish or you could have an amazing race. Yeah. And it was, for me, it was, it was kind of, yeah, I'd had races. Like I take Western States in 2019 that I had a really good day where nothing, it didn't feel particularly hard mm. and relatively yes it was hard but it didn't there was no point where i thought oh my god i'm gonna drop out and then going on to my next hundred mile, i'm like oh well what if that was just pure luck like what if this happens what if that happens so for me speaking of the psychologist it was just to it's not for him to figure out how to just get rid of these things for him it's it's setting up a process that I can follow to keep that side of my brain occupied and feed it with feed it when it needs to starve it when it needs to, but come up with a process that I can set short-term, mid-term and long-term goals with him that I really believe in. And then when things get really tough and you start doubting yourself, you just say, right, well, this was the goal that I set when I was sat down either at a computer or face-to-face when I was thinking rationally. Yeah. This is what I believed in when everything was going fine. And this is what I've been setting my target to. So now you're worrying about these things. You're like, well, why am I worrying? When I was thinking straight, this is, yeah, this is exactly what I thought I should be doing. So yeah, I think it's super interesting. And like, I'm a huge, huge believer in setting goals and whether they're like, performance goals or they're outside of performance goals whether they're short-term goals like a weekly goal or a monthly goal or a yearly goal and i will probably go and speak about this when we speak about western states but yeah it's for me it's very methodical and like I basically just keep asking myself, like, so what? Like, why are you, everything I do has a purpose. Yeah. Why am I doing this? And if it's like, does it, I'm sitting down in the middle of the day watching Netflix. Like, why are you doing this? Does it, is this taking you closer to any of the short-term goals that you've set or the midterm or the long-term goals? If the answer is genuinely yes, great watch away binge watch a whole series if that fits with your goal yeah and if it doesn't if you've got a six hour long run to do and you've been binge watching survivor which i've just started watching yeah very good very good american program (laughs) then does it fit in with the goals no well you know deep down and i guess that's where the discipline yeah then comes out and so yeah i found I found working with a sports psychologist, it's for me, it's fundamental and it's, yeah. it's now a part of, it's a part of my program. It's as, in, it's as important for me as going to the gym yeah. or going and doing intervals. And I think performance wise, I get way more from speaking to my sports psychologist than I do from doing a hard uphill tempo. Beautiful. It makes me want to ask if you guys have talked about your personal relationship with competition 
Like to what extent are you intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically motivated? I think for me, it's a real combination, I would say. And I think a lot of growing up, I would have said that growing up, I would say I wanted to be an extrovert. Like I wanted to play team sports because that's what my friends did. I didn't want to run because I didn't want to be on my own. I wanted, I needed that sort of external gratification of people saying, oh, Tom, well done. That was so good. But the more I think about it, the more introvert I am. And yeah, I can motivate, I motivate myself. Like I look back when I was, I got training diaries from when I was like 13 years old. And it was so, um, I didn't have a coach and it was so unstructured. But I look back at it now, I'm like, I was training properly at that age. Like I was doing structured workouts. Like I would decide, like I'd set a goal, like, right, I want to run a school cross country 10K and I want to, I want to win. I was doing like four by eight minutes at 10K pace when I was 13 years old. These are now sessions that you're seeing on the Sweat Elite YouTube yeah. channel of Olympic athletes. Doing. And I'm like, I wrote this when I was 13 how so for me that was such internal motivation yeah. but for me now in in races like yes I want to do well and I want to do well for myself but when things get really tough my needs and things go out the window and I really draw on the strength of other people like I didn't for West for UTMB like yes I want to do well I want to do well to prove to myself yeah you've still got it yeah you deserve to be here but also for me it was what i i want to show everyone who's helped me and got me to this place i want to say thank you mm -hmm. and so when things are really tough i want to keep working because i feel like they deserve that massive thank you and that gratification from me um and it's why I salute at the end of a race. Yes, it's slightly to do with the military, but a salute is a, is a, it's a term of respect. Yes. It's, I salute is for the people who, it's not for me. It's for everyone else. It's for the people who have been working at the aid station. It's for my physio. It's for Sophie, my wife. It's for the people who have come out and stood in rain, shine, whatever it is to support you to being there because I want to say thank you. And I want to, I want to give back as much as I can. So, and I guess moving back briefly onto Anthony, like for me, that my mentality and my methodology has inspired him to become a better version of himself. For me, that's, that is the biggest fuel for me for Western States. Like he has, he has inadvertently, motivated me so much yeah it's a classic steel. iron sharpens iron steel steel sharpens steel isn't it yeah exactly i want i want more people i want to sign up to race and i want i want people to think oh wow what a what a cool opportunity to be able to race against tom yeah i want to i want to be my very very best on that day and for me that's why I got into this. That's why I love this sport so much. Like I want to inspire people to be their best. Like yeah. 
So for me, like it was just for him to say that was just like a goosebump moment, and that that put a lot of, sort of demons to bed. Like people do see the hard work, and it if it can inspire one person, amazing. If it can inspire if it can in- inspire a thousand people, even better. Yeah. Um, but just because it was one person, that's enough for me. The Fruitro Podcast is brought to you by the Gnarly Nutrition Baseline Series. You may be wondering, is iron supplementation for you? Iron is essential for oxygen transportation in your body. Endurance athletes, women, and plant-based athletes are particularly vulnerable to iron deficiencies. And Gnarly Nutrition makes hitting your baseline iron needs easy with the Gnarly Baseline Iron Plus. More than your typical iron supplement, Gnarly's Iron Plus has blood-boosting nutrients like vitamin B12, folate, and vitamin C for improved iron absorption. Similarly, vitamin D is known for its role in bone health, immune and muscle function, and inflammatory response. But lifestyle factors like decreased sunlight in winter months make vitamin D deficiency a worldwide issue, something I recently learned. Gnarly Baseline D3 is a natural plant-based vitamin, a simple vegan-friendly product that will ensure you're training on a solid foundation. To check out the Iron Plus and the Gnarly Vitamin D3, visit gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. You just mentioned your wife, Sophie. You were married just a couple of months ago. We were talking about it before the race past, this past weekend. And uh, I wondered if you could share, too, you mentioned briefly about your injury. We don't need to go terribly into detail there. I'm sure it was really difficult for you. She was there by your side through that. She was also by your side when you came across the finish line at UTMB with your classic salute. And uh, I wondered if maybe you could just say a few words about that, like the devotion that's born through those highs and lows in life, her also being an athlete, how you guys have supported each other on the journey. Yeah, great. And uh, again, another great question. Um, It was, I suppose the best thing about two athletes being together is the understanding of when things are great, things are great. When things are rough, things are rough. What I initially found really hard was so was she was at her very, very best. She was doing things in her races that I want to do in my races. And I was on crutches. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't make myself a cup of tea. I, I couldn't do anything. And she was racing out of her skin. And at the beginning, that got me, I was obviously super, super happy for her, but super frustrated for myself. Mm. Um, so then after sort of climbing out of my sort of hole of self-pity, I sort of thought, right, well, goals for myself are great, but I love helping people. So what goals can I set myself to help her get even better? Like what can I do to help that one will keep me motivated and it becomes a team performance for both of us. So mm-hmm. gee, like I took on, I was her in a cycling term. I was her, I was her domestique for three, four months. And that kept me super motivated, whether it was she would puncture on a bike ride so I would drive out as quickly as I could with the spare wheel and a pump. Um, or it was 
I would get up for swimming with her so I could make her breakfast before she went swimming. And then I would sort out everything in the house or like whatever it was. I sort of became the stay at home dad. I'd do some rehab. I'd speak to my psychologist. I'd go to physio. Like it was super easy. But for me, it was so motivating and inspiring being able to help her and see her achieving what she was achieving. And then when she finished third there at her, um, the grand final, basically their equivalent of UTMB. And she finished third. And that was such a huge breakthrough moment. Like for me that it all just became completely worth it. And I think the, the link between mind and body two days after she won, sorry, two days after she finished third was my first, the first run that I did post-surgery. So like, I think it's, she is the reason that I got back so quickly because of the motivation, the inspiration that she gives to me. Um, and so, yeah, it works. It works really nice in that way. But in, and in the other way, like, geez, we've been, since we've been married, we've spent more time apart than we have together. Um, which is pretty wild. Um, but we knew that was going to happen when we got together. So we make, we make the most of it when we're at home. Um, and then when we're away, FaceTime's great. Um, but yeah, we just sort of look forward to being at home with each other and get as much as we can out of each other when we're at home. I love it, man. Thanks for sharing that. I've heard you talk about the concept of race management and you were just saying you've only raced like seven times and you're known as one of the best in the world. I think that's probably because of the fact that you are a fantastic race manager. What data are you listening to during competition and how do you filter that data? How does it inform your race management? Interesting question. Data in a race, zero. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. For me, all of my, everything is leading up to the race. And for a race like, for a race like, Black Canyon's 100K, I measured heart rate, I measured core body temperature, but I didn't look at it once during the race. For me, it's just great to have that da- those data points for planning for Western States. Mm-hmm. But so in training, I'm looking at a combination of heart rate and sort of, I guess, sort of perceived rate of effort how hard i'm working and they kind of all sync up and i think that i'm pretty in tune by the end by a race on race day i'd probably be able to tell you without looking at my watch what pace we're running what my heart rate is probably within three beats of what it actually is because i become so in tune with it during during a training cycle like yeah. i do i do everything on heart rate i do a lot on lactate but in a slightly i use lactate not for seeing how hard i'm working necessarily but to make sure i'm actually working at the right level mostly okay. so i'm not working too hard so like on an easy i probably take lactate more on an easy on an easy phase than i do on a hard phase mm-hmm. because for me running, I would rather run too easy 
I'd rather run 20% too easy in an easy run than 1% too hard in an easy run. Yeah. And I think that's a huge mistake that people make. And I think for me, I like doing all of my easy runs on my own. Um, and even if we're sort of with the Adidas Terex team or I'm with some friends on a training camp, I will always try and do my easy runs on my own yeah. or just say to the people, guys, like I'm running easy. You can, if you want to run with me, that's great, but it might be too easy for you. I'm running it very much running at my pace. So then yeah. come race day, you're just, you're used to, you're used to it and you kind of know how you're feeling. So yeah, in a race, I don't look at data. It's all, for me, it's all about, it's all about feel. I guess of the well, one maybe, bit of... Maybe like data is yeah. not the right word, but for example, what I'm getting at is that after the race, you said something to the effect of that you guys got to Bumblebee, which is roughly mile 20, eight minutes faster than you expected. So the disciplined yeah. Tom, the quintessential race manager was probably second guessing himself, but you also have to listen to your instinct and you also have to respond to the competition. So I'm, I'm trying to get towards that when it comes to race management, what was your, what were you balancing there in terms of your priorities? Was it hanging on to the pack or was it listening to your gut and your perceived effort or clearly you didn't stick to your splits? So no, no, far from, um, I think for me, I guess the race plan was one, I wanted to have fun. And then two, I wanted to test myself to see, to see where I was, to identify areas of weakness that I can improve on um see where I am see like it's very it's very easy to do a a good workout at home when you're feeling great and to think I'm I'm superman I'm I'm unbeatable uh and it takes pushing beyond where you think what you think you're capable of that I don't really do in training I never push myself to the limit in training because I'm all about yes I do some very hard workouts but i'm all about consistency um and i'd rather train at 90 percent capacity for 12 months rather than train at 101 percent for six months and then get injured because i've I've made that mistake before um so yeah i guess sort of during the race it was my plan was yeah to go with a group to be part of the lead group and if someone was going to try and get away kind of just go on gut and if i thought that actually this looks like a pretty good break then maybe it's time to close so when cole went it was i was like oh, i just let him go and he got into bumblebee and i came into bumblebee and you know, people were like oh he's like two minutes in front and i'm thinking geez he's put two minutes into us in like five miles yeah um so I I then sort of picked up a little bit and possibly picked up a little bit too quick, um, to and then I then caught him like three quarters of the way just after Soap Creek. Yeah, I caught him. Um, and probably burnt. That's where I burnt my matches, and it was probably not maybe not having the confidence in my training because I it wasn't a particularly long training block uh i took two weeks off 
just before Christmas on a honeymoon and then built things back up from zero. Yeah. Um, and that's by no means an excuse at all. Um, I possibly wasn't as fit as I thought I was or what my body yeah. was capable of doing wasn't there. And that's, that's absolutely fine. That's what these, that's what these efforts are for. Um, and yeah, probably burnt a few two matches there. Maybe I didn't have the confidence to think, oh, actually I'll just sit yeah. back and see what happens. And I think maybe that's a bit of lack of experience, definitely in this, in this sort of race in the U S style racing. Because mm. um, it is, it is different to racing in Europe. Yep. Um, Just like for the book, Americans, it's 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 hard to learn how to race in Europe too. Yeah, the yeah. rule book goes out the window mm. out here, and as does the form book, and and I think that's great. I really enjoy this style of racing. Um, so yeah, and then I think sort of, geez, we got we broke the sixty k course record. Um, <laughs> it was stupid man i mean at the 13 mile aid station i was doing the commentary and there was 38 men under the existing course record of course at the finish line there was only three of you guys under that existing course record it makes me want to ask tom about like the post-race assessment you know you're thinking about that moment where you burnt maybe a match or two too many chasing back up to cole relatively early in the race, just after mile 20. How do you evaluate performance and internalized learnings after a race like Black Canyon? I think it's all too easy to say, to blame someone else or not to take responsibility and say, oh, it's just one of those days. Oh, it was my stomach's fault. Or, oh, I just didn't. I just couldn't do it. It was just, oh, I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe it was all the travel or looking for excuses. And for me, like when I make a mistake or I'm not quite at the level that I want to be, I'd take it on the chin. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, uh, within and the, my coach, Scott Johnson messaged me straight away and said, oh, like really well done, like great performance. And, as I've looked and I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm really, really happy with the performance and it starts my year really nicely and it puts me on a great trajectory, but there is a lot of work to be done. Um, I've got a lot of, I have got a lot of work. Like this is going to be, we've planned out the training, which we'll probably go on and talk to for the next pretty much till Western States. And I get scares me. Like it's, it's super exciting. So yeah, post race, it was a, this is what I think we've done well in the training, but this is, and that was two bullet points. And it was a short essay for the, these are the bits that we've got room to improve on. Um, Mm. And we both, we both kind of took it on the chin and we said, look, like we knew this wasn't going to be an all polished performance, Mm -hmm. but actually it could have, it could have gone a lot worse. Uh, come on, but it also could, you ran seven thirty-seven on the Black Canyon. But it, uh, but it also, but it also could have gone better. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, and I think, but I think that I think that's the really nice thing about about racing in an environment like this is, and with trail running, like you can always do things better. You can always do things worse. And I think it's just there's a very fine line of 
where performance is and no two races are the same just because you've won 100k somewhere doesn't mean you're going to win 100k somewhere else and for me like yeah looking looking back on this race yes there are definitely positives to take like my nutrition was great. I was trialing a fueling strategy that we're planning on implementing at Western States that is possibly slightly more aggressive um, than I've done before. My caffeine intake for this was by far the most aggressive strategy I've ever had. I had just under 800 milligrams of caffeine during the race, which I've never, I've never done before. Have you um, slept since the race, Tom? Yeah, just about. Um, <laughs> but for, like it, it was just it was purely like just trying to find yeah the limits of where we think we can go so following sports science and yeah i hadn't done a i hadn't been able to test this strategy in training because i hadn't done anything longer than three hours yeah so what a great opportunity to be able to put it into practice and it worked really well so great we can that's a box ticked off and so yeah, I think post-race reflection for me is super important, but then to be able to, like a, a great saying that I heard was, don't let the wins go to your head or the losses go to your heart. And mm. I think it's so important. You want to race great, celebrate it in the moment because you don't know if you're ever going to get on the podium again. You don't know what's going to happen or you have a bad race. It's only running. It's only a trail, <laughs> it's only a trail a, race. That's just, a fairly profound principle don't let the wins go to your head or the losses go to your heart thanks for sharing that i'm going to use that on the podcast in the future i think it's i think it's i think it's super cool like great yeah in sport you walk yeah you finish a race you win imagine now yeah you win western states great the next day you go to the supermarket no one cares (laughs) no one cares especially in the sport like in the sport that we're in possibly a little bit different at UTMB and Chamonix, but yeah, the day, two days after UTMB, we, Sophie and I went up, um, I go to Midi. Yep. No one had any idea who I was. There were lots of people walking very slowly and limping about who'd obviously done a race. Yep. No one once said, Oh, Tom, well done. That was amazing. No one cares. No one knows. And I think it's just, it's just, it's just really nice and it's yeah. incredibly humbling that and it's the same when things go badly yeah just chalk it up to experience and what can i do to improve for the next one and i think it's yeah that's a really strong principle that i like to live by yeah going back to anthony for a second i talked to him after the race and he described the moment where he made the decisive move he said that it was sort of just after black canyon city and he intentionally did it on a descent, recognizing that he was not going to be able to drop you on the climbs. I'm sure the audience would love to be on a fly on the wall in that moment. So if you could just kind of describe Anthony's move, I know you were very impressed by it. What was going through your head and just anything else you can share about your perspective at that critical moment of the race? Yeah, so I'd, I'd realized that we got to Black Canyon's Black Canyon City way too quick, and I was, and I wasn't feeling. It, it, things weren't easy. Yeah, and 
so I took the front and I was like, okay, let's just, let's just back things off. It's a little bit of a drag uphill out of Black Canyon City before you then do the descent to the river. So I took the lead and I sort of just try to slow things down, knowing that and I'd sort of seen Anthony catching us and I was like, oh, geez, he looks so great. Um, he, yeah, he looks how I wish I looked. Um, and yeah, I sort of tactically try to go to the front and control the race and just like, right, let's just bump the brakes. Let's let the nutrition that I've just had from Black Canyon City kick in and uh, yeah, let's wait for the caffeine to hit the bloodstream and you'll come back round again. And I think he probably noticed this sort of basically pulling the handbrake up. Mm. Um, and yeah, he just sort of scooted past and on the descent, it was, these descents are pretty hard to follow someone on because they're pretty uneven. They're rocky everywhere. So you need like a two, three meter gap. So when he went past and mm. picked the pace up, I was like, okay, this is all right. I'll just keep a two meter gap. And then 10 steps later, okay, this is now a three meter gap. That's okay. Then it was a five meter gap and it just slowly went out and went out and went out. And it wasn't because I thought, okay, I'll just keep the handbrake on. It was a, okay, the handbrake's now off and my foot's on the floor. I'm just trying. And he just made, he just made the downhill running look effortless. It was, it was as if he had started he had tag teamed with someone and he had started again from Black Canyon City. Yeah. Um, like it was doing post-race analysis. And if I was planning on racing Black Canyon City again, I would just copy exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, and that's the time to that's the time to make a break. Like no matter how good you are on the uh, on the uphill you're not making that much time back up. Um, and uh, it was just, it was really special to see. Um, like I got, yeah, I got dropped by Jim and Killian at UTMB at the top of pyramids. Yep. And I thought that, wow, that's, these guys are going for it here. In my opinion, I think Anthony's breakaway from me at Black Canyon City was more spectacular than what Jim and Killian did at UTMB. Wow. Which is saying, which is saying something. It's high praise, especially for this low key Utah based assassin who just recently got dropped by his sponsors. He's obviously made a lot of big fans over the weekend. And those of us who know him are, are huge fans. And I'm sure he's really happy to hear you speak so respectfully about him. And again, it's just emblematic of the spirit of our sport that you two can have so much respect for each other and you can share your admiration for his race execution and who he is as a person in the sport. So, I mean, congratulations to both you guys. And it's awesome that uh, you could give us a little glimpse into that critical moment of the race i didn't i didn't it was only a glimpse i couldn't see it for, for very long i mean man uh, it was an incredible was race it was an incredible race from both you guys and yeah i mean his perfect execution maybe you made one or two small mistakes at the end of the day it was what a four minute gap at the finish line basically a blink of the eye and um you're both in perfect position for the rest of this amazing season and eventually we'll get around to 
talking about what you have in front of you because it's going to be huge. But you mentioned your coach, Scott Johnson, and I know this is a relatively new relationship. I think you guys connected after your surgery. So I'd love to hear what he's changed in your training and what ways you're a, a different athlete based on your relationship with Scott and how you guys train together. Yeah. So Scott and I started working. I had my operation on a Friday. Scott and I started working together the Tuesday before the operation. And I think any high-level coach who's prepared to take an athlete what, three and a half, four days before they undergo surgery that they might never come back from is uh, is someone that you want in your corner. Um, and I guess it was, we sort of set our goals for what we kind of wanted to achieve and what we thought might be possible. And whereas my previous approach when I'd been running a little bit more on the road in uh, during the pandemic was like, what's the maximum amount that I can push my body that it will accept? Rather than with Scott, we took the approach of for the whole build for UTMB, including racing at a Trans Grand Canaria 60K and Madeira 85K was not what's the most you can push your body and how good can you get? It was a, what is the minimum amount of work that we can do in order to make the necessary adaptations to be able to perform at your relative highest level in these races and in these environments? So we very quickly identified the like flat speed running, fine. Do I need to be able to run any quicker than uh 6307 half marathon if I'm training for UTMB. No. Like what there's no point. Yeah. There's no there's absolutely no point. Like so okay, well that's that's great. Your upper end stuff on the flat is great. But what's your hill climbing like? And like my relative VO2 max for running on the flat compared to running uphill like it was stupid, stupidly bad. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, the equivalent of my uphill VK on a treadmill. Yeah, I know it's a bit different, but it's easy to it's easy to do, um, especially when you live in the UK. Like, it was the equivalent of running like a seventeen and a half minute five k, whereas I'm a thirteen forty. Right. 5k run it's like it was it was way off where it should have been and like of course it was it's something that i've never trained for um and it's how i could do well in a race like ccc because it's so runnable so when we thought okay well actually now you're racing an actual proper mountain race where there's so much hiking um you need to this is something that we need to really improve on so we thought, right, well, how can we, how can we improve in this and what do we think is the best way? And Scott's very, he's very good at adapting proven methods into the trail running and the mountain running space. So his trail running influences are hugely based off Renito Canova in Kenya mm. and the approach that he takes with his athletes. Scott then takes that approach and takes those workouts but modifies them to become specific 
for trail running and mm. mountain running. Mm. And that's what I needed to get good at. I needed to be better at expedition fitness and being good in the mountains and creating strategies that I can perform at a high level in mountains. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the training was, I'd done stuff that I had never done before and we used the treadmill a lot. Um, so going between like 20 and 25% incline, um, fortunate enough to have a treadmill at home and mm. I have a ski erg attached to the wall in front of the treadmill. So when I'm on the treadmill on an incline, I can use the ski you erg can use the poles? I'm using poles. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So was the reason you connected with Scott or identified him as a potentially great coach because of the fact that you wanted to be better in the mountains specifically? 100%. I wanted a coach who had experience taking athletes and adventurers up Everest and being able to create, like I didn't want, like the previous coaches I've had, both incredible Alison Benton, who was my first coach that I won CCC with, and then Andy Hobdell when I was in the pandemic. And yeah, they were both amazing. And I got really fast at running. Yeah. And I now I now need I now know how to do that. Yeah. Um and I kind of don't really need a coach for that. I'm I'd be happy to self-coach myself now with that. Yeah. But the UTMB was a completely different ball game and I wasn't at all experienced in running hundred mile mountains or which I t- kind of took as more of an expedition rather than a race. Like it, it was an adventure rather than a race. Yeah. And I think that was for me, that was so liberating that I could take the performance metrics that I've been measuring since I was 13 years old kind of all went out the window and it was completely new to me, which was, yeah, which was super fun. And I guess definitely taking a lot of the same, mentality into this western states training block of uh okay well we trained super specifically for utmb how can what was my training like for western states in 2019 and it obviously worked it was it was great Mm -hmm. but what can we do to optimize it where do we think the areas of weaknesses weakness was in your from your race in 2019 and your more so your training leading up to it. And how do you think, what can we do now to put yourself in the best possible position to have the best possible race come June? Yeah. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Best Day Brewing. Dry January is over, but your boy is staying disciplined with his alcohol consumption or lack thereof. Not exaggerating, this is one of the biggest focuses of my life right now to reduce my overall alcohol intake as a dad, as an athlete, as a small business owner. Every day is just filled to the brim with important responsibilities that deserve and require my full attention. And I have noticed that I just do not operate with the same focus or with the same energy when I'm drinking, even just one or two nights a week. I have to say also my mood and attitude are so much worse when I'm on the booze also. As such, I've been making a huge effort to reduce my consumption and 
my goodness do I feel so much better. And that's where Best Day Brewing comes in. I can still enjoy the ritual of a cold beer without the alcohol that so compromises my performance both on and off the trails. Best Day is brewed for doers like you and me. I'm sure there are many listeners who find themselves in the same position as me. You don't have to fully abstain, but let's hold each other accountable to reduce our alcohol intake in 2023. Visit bestdaybrewing.com and enjoy their selection of delicious craft brews and have your best day yet. Bestdaybrewing.com. Tell them Free Trail sent you. So I'd love to talk about specificity and versatility. And the two things are deeply intertwined, but maybe let's start with versatility. You are the type of athlete who can run a 63-minute half marathon. You've also been on the podium of both Western States and UTMB, meaning you've got insane range. I wonder if you could elaborate on how you've been able to cultivate that versatility in your athletic performance. I think similar to you coming from a, a different sport background, doing very generalist training that then adding, I find adding the specificity fairly easy to do. Like mm -hmm. my training 75% of the time, whether I was training for Western States or UTMB looks pretty similar. Um, it's then just the specificity on the end, the sharpening up the tip of the iceberg, call it what you want to call yeah. it. Um, because I've got a great base level of aerobic fitness from playing sports when I was a kid to then joining the military and then loving running, cycling, whatever it is. And yeah, I've actually got, have built up that endurance over the years. And it's not something that I do a bit of coaching and some of my athletes think that by taking three days off, they're going to lose everything. And it's like, well, it, it doesn't, you might lose a little bit, but it doesn't really work like that. Like yeah. your body remembers. Um, and yeah, I think the thing that I love about trail running is you'll do a race, you'll do a trail race and there are uphills, there are downhills, there are technical bits, there are super runnable bits. There is not one person who is the best at everything. Yep. And I think you, you need to have that versatility in your running to be able to have a really good race. Like take western states for example like you've got to be super efficient at climbing because you've got to do the first climb and get to the top and think okay cool i've now warmed up and i feel great i've not produced any lactic lactic acid and i'm now ready for a fairly cruisy downhill okay now we then go into the really alpine part and there's lots of switchbacks there's lots of twists turns you've got to be super mobile you've got to be able to deal with that and stay super relaxed go through the canyons you've got to be efficient on the downhill you've got to be efficient on the uphill you've got to put into place a cooling strategy for that because that's where races are won and lost mm -hmm. you then come into forest hill you've got to deal with the crowds cheering for you so you've got to stay relaxed but you're also probably quicker than somewhere between 6 30 and 7 minute miling through forest hill yeah you've got to be able to do that um and for me, it's breaking down these different races and being like, right, well, what have I, what have I got to do in training to be able to come race day, make this, make this super easy. So yeah. I think being 
being really versatile when you then pick a specific i hate the term a race but you pick an a race you just need a sharp you've got that foundation you've got all of those pillars yeah so you've got all of these pillars like this and you think okay well i need to this race i think the key points are going to be this pillar this pillar and this pillar okay so let's just really sharpen those and the others will come up a little bit but actually that's what i need to be that's what i need to be really good at so if i look back at black canyons and if i was doing it again i'd say okay well i need to be super efficient but actually my downhill running i probably need to improve my my 10 minute downhill running pace so then when anthony then kicks coming out of black canyon city i can go with it huh this is fascinating so let's go deeper on specificity because i think the audience could really learn something from this and we'll use black canyon as an example of course you live in cold damp (laughs) uk black canyon was dry desert wasn't crazy warm but can be quite hot i know you took a trip out to the canary islands so maybe yeah just give a glimpse into what you were doing to enhance the specificity of your training for black canyon specifically i think for black yeah it's tricky and i don't want to sort of i didn't do that much specific training for black canyon city black canyon 100k in particular because this for me this was very much part of the process and actually training for western states black canyon 100k is this is the specific that's the specificity for the race um well so maybe the better question is how does the specificity of black canyon fit into the we'll use the term a goal even though we don't like it and then, yeah, what have you identified as the specific things that you're going to work on now in the next couple of months leading into Western States? I think it's almost doing like a, going back to school, doing like a SWOT analysis as people would do in business, like strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, and threat. And I do that and I write it down on an A4 bit of paper of like, what am I, Western States 100 miler is the title. Right. What are my strengths going into this race? Cool. You've got the experience. You know what it takes to finish on the podium. You know what it takes. Yes, it was a cool year. Still felt ridiculously hot for me. (laughs) But you know what it takes to run sub 15. Cool. What are the opportunities? Well, I'm now a different athlete to what I was in 2019. This is what I've done. I've improved in this area, this area, this area, this area. Right. My weaknesses. Right. What can we improve on in order to get you better? Right. Eccentric quad strength, Mm. efficiency at running downhill. Okay, great. Mm. That's, and that then kind of then goes on to set goals. Right. Right. What are the threats? The heat, even on a cold year, it's still hot when you Mm -hmm. come from the UK and shed loads of downhill running to wreck your quads and nutrition because what is like the stat like 85 percent of dnfs come from nutrition mm-hmm. okay cool so that's now i've now laid all of that out 
and it's now really easy to see okay well now what's the specific training i can do how can i turn those threats into opportunities and those weaknesses into strengths so i take heat for example which is probably that becomes the biggest topic of western sure. state it's yeah. uh, oh have you seen the weather what's it going to be like oh is it going to be a hot year or a cold year <laughs> it's going to be a hard year no matter what yep um, there's going to be snow too tom i'm here to yeah. tell you there's going to be oh. snow on the course in those first <laughs> there's going to be tons months. of snow yeah. um and 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 I, but i think that's that snow then adds an extra an element to it you're going to go from like there's no point you look at professional cyclists at the tour de france this year or last year and everyone's doing pre-cooling for a six seven hour race there's no point in doing a pre-cooling strategy because it's gonna be you're probably gonna start you're definitely gonna start in sleeves and quite possibly a jacket um so pre-cooling goes out the window so i then think like right well who is the best person to speak to who are the best people to speak to about getting good in the heat for endurance athletes. So I then sort of delve into British Olympic Association and their heat preparation for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics and for the marathon. And what did, what were they prescribing to the athletes for that? That's one side of it. I then speak to the performance director at INEOS about what were they doing in order to prepare for the heat for the Tour de France. That was one of the hottest, races in history mm-hmm. yes cycling is a little bit different to running but the principles are the same so then from that you can say okay well cool well that's in order for me to get as best heat prepared this is what i know i need to do and i'm happy to take for some of my training to reduce in order for that pillar to increase mm. so i can control how well heat adapted I am. And yes, does that mean that a two week block in April, May, 95% of my running is going to be in in an environmental chamber at 105 degrees, 40% relative humidity, trying to replicate the Western States course as best as possible. That's, that's hard. That's boring that's ridiculously expensive but it's an investment into myself because i've identified when i was thinking rationally one of my biggest threats for me not to have a good day at western states is the heat so you find a way right well okay that's great you've identified it but now now the hard work starts and what do i do in order for that not to become an issue um and I think, yeah, that's the that's sort of the methodical way that I think about things. And that is that's incredible, Tom. And I love using the SWOT analysis and the metaphor of making an investment in yourself. Because at the end of the day, this is your job, this is your career. And yeah, I'm I'm my walking business. Yeah. Wow. So it's great to get a glimpse into this. You posted earlier this year, I think it was just sort of announcing your season. You said black Canyon was first. That's been 
checked off the list. You also mentioned maybe you would do the 50K at Canyons. Is that still on the radar? And, And more generally, is there any other competition where we can expect to see Tom Evans between now and the last weekend in June? Yeah, I have actually decided not to race. I'm telling you, I've not actually told them yet. Um, but in the last couple of days, decided not to race at Canyons 50K. Um, it just doesn't, it makes sense to do a long a 50K tempo effort at that time before the race. But actually for me, I don't think that's going to be the make and break for Western States. I would rather that's a race that you need to taper for and you need to take seriously because the field is, it's just going to be, it's going to be bonkers and it's close enough to the race that if things don't go completely to plan, there's not an awful lot you can do about it. Mm -hmm. So I've actually decided to hunker down in the UK. Like, I train best when I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm now married, dogs, chickens, a grown up life. And I love being at home. Uh, I love spending time with Sophie. I love spending time with the dogs and with friends and family. And yeah, I've decided, yeah, I've decided I'm actually going to race the 25K at Snowden um, as a really hard tempo run. Um, which is a couple of weeks. It's like two weeks later. I'll race that instead and then come out to Flagstaff um, for the final five weeks, four and a half weeks before Western States and then head over to um, Olympic Valley just before the race. Um, I'll race a little bit of fell running as well, just to sharpen up Um, the fell runners running downhill is the is poetry (laughs) yeah it's poetry of how to run downhill and then be able to run ridiculously quick on the flat afterwards and building up efficiency in your downhill running at a much harder effort than ultra pace which is kind of it's one of the threats of you hear so many people saying, oh yeah, my quads just completely locked up and had nothing in my quads. If you can try and keep up with some of the best fell runners in the UK running downhill off trail. You're in good shape come, for Western States. You're going to be, in, you're <laughs> going to be in great shape. So basically how much can I beat myself up? So I'll do some, I'll do a little bit of fell running, which I'm really excited about. Um, cool. And yeah. Well, and then it's, then I get the rest of the season is then it's then, slightly open um i would be lying if i said i hadn't thought about doing a western states utmb double um that's why i'm getting a stone at snowden Snowden. i just need to get a stone um yeah well yeah hey we don't need to look past western states you know no process process not outcome right i learned that from you exactly tom this has been so fun, man. I appreciate all your time. Before we get to our sort of closing philosophical questions, is there anything else that is on your mind right now that we didn't touch on? Things that are interesting to you, things you're thinking about in your training, other takeaways from Black Canyon that you'd like to get off your chest? Yeah, I think the one the one sort of bit of 
the Tom's top tip, we'll call it today, is I think people see whenever people post training or videos or whatever of their training, they're always going ridiculously fast and it looks really cool and it looks sexy and it looks great. 90, 85% of my training is super boring, super conservative, not running in a beautiful place. And for me, that's where races are won and lost. It's in that it's behind the scenes where everything happens. So it's not on be- TikTok or Instagram reels. I love yeah, that. It, precisely. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's not on. Yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Just because you've not posted about a run and how great it was doesn't mean it wasn't a great run. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just for everyone who's training for a race, just because you're seeing people doing the cool epic runs doesn't mean they're also not pounding on the pavement at four in the morning before catching a flight because they've got to get an hour's run in and it's dark and they've not got a head torch with them. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think that would be the blue collar behind the scenes work that nobody notices. That's where it, that's where it matters. All right. So two closing questions for you, Tom. The first is, who is one person you admire inside or outside of sport? And why is it that you admire that person? A good question. So I actually took this to not a, not a person, but a team. Um, so for me growing up, I was, I was a huge rugby fan and I played lots of rugby and I loved it. It was my, thing and for me the team that is high performance through and through is new zealand the all blacks the all blacks i just had dan jones on the podcast and we talked about the haka and i regretted the fact that i didn't bring up (laughs) the all blacks because it's a spiritual experience to see those guys do the haka on the field. And yeah. of course they represent their country in the most profound way. And I would be so intimidated if I was on any other team when they break that haka out. Keep going yeah. if there's anything you want to add. Precisely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with them, like what I learned from doing research and speaking to people, and they've just recently signed with Ineos. So I've had a little bit of a, a little bit of an insight through um, through the performance side from Ineos about it. And similar to what the last comment on training was, like 99% of their training is super, super basic. And they are just, they are the best. They are the best at basics. And that's good enough to be the best in the world because not everything has got to be super highbrow, but then at the same time, they are also looking, they are investing so much in themselves as individuals and as a team in order to improve and to find those marginal gains where they can. And they are forever innovating in order to improve. And I think that investment 
It doesn't have to be financial or whatever your investment is, but you invest time and effort into yourself, you're going to achieve, you're significantly more likely to achieve what you want to achieve. And I think what they do and what they stand for is they're not only like the shirt that they wear, they say it's not their shirt. They are just looking after this for the country and to then hand it over in a better place than the next person. And for me, that's so humble for the best people in the world who don't see themselves as that. They just see themselves as forever just wanting to improve and get better. Um, You've never, yeah, you never reach the summit because there's always space to grow. Wow. I love it. Final question for you, Tom. What is one truth that you've learned about yourself or about life in general through your experience as an athlete? I think kind of going back to something that you've said, but slightly modifying it. Um, so process, not outcome, I think is is incredibly, it is, is super important and it's one of the foundations of my training. But I think taking like the second literation of that is instead of trust the process, it's trust your process. Mm whatever doesn't matter what other people are doing let them do what they want to do let them run fast let them run slow you worry about you and trust your process the rational plan that you made when you were thinking straight is what is best for you and it's yours so own it Mm -hmm. and i think that is your process is the best process. My process is the best process for one person. And that's me. And you've got to trust that you're doing the right thing. And at any point you don't trust you're doing the right thing, then that's then time to switch things up and invest in yourself, whether that's by seeking help from elsewhere, because you don't trust your process find a way that you do trust your process and yeah, believe in yourself. Tom Evans, congratulations on Black Canyon. Thanks for coming on the pod. We'll see you at Western States. Thank you so much. See you at States. There you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Please do let me know what you thought. Free Trail Pro members, let's keep the conversation going in Slack. What'd you think about Tom? What'd you think about his approach? What was your biggest takeaway from the episode? Drop your feedback in the Free Trail Podcast Slack channel. Also, make sure you're following Tom on Instagram and across his various social channels to keep tabs on his journey to Western States, where we will see him back in the United States later this summer. Can't freaking wait. A big thank you to our sponsors, of course, Speedland. Visit runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off the GS TAM. Gnarly Nutrition, gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15%. All of their fantastic nutrition products. Best Day Brewing, bestdaybrewing.com. Use code DRY20 for 20% off. If you need some guidance in your trail journey, come check out Free Trail Experts, where we've enlisted some great coaches and specialists to, to help make your experience in the sport even more fun, enjoyable, and successful. 
There is a link in the show notes for that as well. That's it for now. Thank you so much for listening. Love you all very much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.